We are going to look at the last uh, chapter in the book of Acts, chapter 28. And as we sing that song, the lines, this world is not what it was meant to be. All this pain and all this suffering. Uh, Again, like I mentioned a little bit ago, if you've been watching the news, uh, you might feel this uh, of hurt and wrong and suffering. You may feel it more deeply than other people. But we need to be honest. Uh, There could be many here that are just callous to it. And so I hope as we look at this uh, chapter, we're only going to look at the last three verses. There's a lot in here, but looking at the last three verses to see what is Paul, uh, how is Luke ending this book, and what is Paul continuing to do. Uh, Real quick, in the book, in this chapter, Uh, Like usual, Paul goes through suffering. He's bitten by a snake. Uh, He does a, he heals a man's father, and he's proclaiming Jesus the Messiah to uh, the Jews and to the Gentiles. And then there's this ending. It is rather odd uh, as you end this, uh, one of the longest books in the New Testament. And Luke completes this book of Acts with a note of triumph. The last word in Greek is unhindered. Uh, This is the story of the early church, and the ending is unhindered. There's more to do, and it cannot be bound. The message of Jesus is going forth. Paul is a messenger, and we see even more here at the end, that there's no closure of his life or ministry. It is not a biography of Paul Uh, This is the story of Jesus and the people of God going forth even after Paul, his ministry is over and his life is over. This ministry continues to go on. We're reminded that the story is not about him and that he is serving another. And Luke, the author of Acts, wants us to know that. That Luke has another master. Serving another means you repent of any supremacy that you hold on to. Yesterday, uh, we saw uh, the fullness of evil as one race claimed, falsely claimed and proclaimed uh, their own superiority. Let me read the last three verses of this book of Acts. It says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, welcomed all who came to him, proclaimed, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul is continuing to proclaim the kingdom of God, teaching about Jesus. They're really synonymous ideas. But neither of these are about uh, supremacy. They are about serving another. They are about serving specifically Jesus. Serving Jesus means serving your neighbor. Loving Jesus means loving your neighbor. You really cannot separate them in the Bible. So we'll look at uh, three things this morning in these short three verses. Uh, Proclaiming the kingdom. 
which was what Paul is doing, of another, uh, really confronts our own idea of what we want our kingdom to be. So what are the characteristics of the kingdom that you desire? The kingdom that is not the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is the kingdom of yourself. What is the message that you want your kingdom to promote? Uh, Who is in, in your kingdom? Who is protected? Whose safety is fought for? Who receives mercy and justice in the kingdom that you want to create, that you are protected by? We live in a world where there are wicked acts. And the acts of yesterday in Charlottesville uh, should open our eyes to that. Uh, The evil of racism is present in our country, in our cities, which means it is present in the hearts of people, the heart of our neighbors, and the seed of it may be present in your life. We need to be able to acknowledge this. The events of yesterday revealed the hate of racism. The seed of the sin was watered and the flower bloomed. Uh, Racism is evil and it is fueled by hatred. And it's something that Christians, followers of Christ, people who desire to live understanding the kingdom of God, are to fight. I think there are some things that we call evil as uh, Christians and children of God that are sort of easier, easier for us to fight and acknowledge. Uh, take uh, pornography. Uh, we will gather around that and we will address that and we will walk with people who struggle with this and we want to see redemption and restoration in their life. And we have no problem really calling it evil. Racism is a conditioned evil. It's a learned behavior and belief that one race is superior to another. And promoting this, what happens is uh, people create their own kingdom, which is unbiblical and is not Christian. It's actually the complete opposite of the kingdom of God. In the Genesis story of creation, we understand that all people are made in the image of God. And then in Revelation, we read of the culmination of this creation. In chapter 7, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the glorious culmination of this world. And the same truth is affirmed here, that all people are made in the image of God. All nations, all peoples, all languages are called to be one people for one God. And all gather because of the perfect sacrificial work of one mediator, one Savior. This mediator, Jesus, affirms our differences, affirms our diversity, 
diversity in language, diversity in culture, diversity in nation, diversity in heritage, in tribes, and all are welcome at the table. All of them. Except those who are unrepentant of their sin. And those in their unrepentance relish any supremacy or superiority. Because it is sin and it needs to be confronted. And we need to be a people that walk with people who struggle in this. We need to be a people who interact with people who are deeply seated in this. Jesus is the one who's supreme. His kingdom is the only kingdom that is supreme. And it is a glorious kingdom. Welcome to all who submit to the lordship of Jesus. And then Paul also, in proclaiming the kingdom of God, it says he's teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's teaching the power of the Lord Jesus and how the Lord Jesus confronts our own battle to rule our own life. To do what we feel like makes us comfortable. To build fences so we feel more mature. To hang out with people that are like us because that's so much easier. So what is the opposite of the kingdom of God? What does that kingdom look like? What is the opposite of having Jesus as your Lord? What does life look like? As Christians, as people who strive to understand uh, God's love and grace toward us, as people who strive to walk in obedience and faithfulness, We need to understand things that are evil around us and be able to name them and be able to confront them and be able to also love people and walk with them as they're in those. Because if you and I are honest and we reflect on our own life, people walked with you in your sin and mess and hatred Are we as a community able to do that? And the power comes from Christ is the Lord. That's where the power comes from. What does transformation look like? Ephesians 4, I think, gives a great example of of transformation. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let, the corrupt talk, uh, come out, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. It may give, it may give grace to those who hear. This transformation to live uh, with Jesus as Lord of your life And thoughts is a battle. We see this as an illustration of the thief. Uh, The transformation of the thief is not, well, just stop being a thief. Stop stealing. The transformation is, do not steal, 
work and be generous. The battle against racism is similar to the battle we fight against in any other evil. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us sharply of any hate that we carry. And as people of God, that should be something we are quick to pray. That God would, his spirit would sharply convict us of sin and hatred. We need the Holy Spirit to transform us from the thief to the generous worker. Transform from the corrupt talker to the encourager. Be transformed from the hater to the defender. Knowing Jesus as Lord is humbly acknowledging his, acknowledging his supremacy and not yours. His calling is he is supreme. And out of his grace and love for his children, he calls us into the same mission. Proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming Jesus as Lord with all boldness and without hindrance. But many times we live and think as if we're supreme. The author Anne Lamont uh, tweeted a few weeks ago, uh, 100 years, all new people. (laughs) It's a great tweet. (laughs) It's true. 100 years from now, all new people. I hope that's not a shock to you. (laughs) All new people. We will not be here. What will the mission of God look like when we're not here? It's the same mission. So if you and I are living for our own supremacy, for our own kingdom, when we die, it dies. And it is unfulfilling. But to be part of the mission of God, to be part of proclaiming grace and truth, and there is hope, that carries on. As Luke writes Acts, he's affirming this truth. It is not Paul's life that matters, but Jesus' message that Paul is proclaiming. Love Jesus who sacrificed for people of all nations and tribes and languages. Love your neighbor because they are made in the image of God. Repent of any belief or affection that hinders these. The term Lord Jesus Christ implies his supremacy over all things. And this is what Paul is proclaiming throughout the book of Acts. And this is the proclamation of Christians today. That Jesus is supreme. Now, I don't know where all of you individually are on the issue of Racism or your own heart? Do you hate people? And who are the people that you hate? And why is that? And why have you let that seed grown in your life? And I imagine that we have a spectrum because in the church we want people uh, who really uh, are people who are hateful. And that may sound strange, but there are people who are hateful and they need the gospel. 
And we are called to be a church that welcomes them and confronts them and loves them and walks with them. Some of you may even align with the white nationalist in this march yesterday. And some of you will passionately condemn it as evil. Um, What I know is that you cannot hate your neighbor and love Jesus. You cannot. That does not happen. Something is seriously wrong with you. If, if you feel like those can live together, they can't. If you live in this hate, no, we as a body of Christ do not hate you. We hurt with you and for you, and we want to walk with you. As you we want to see you moved from the thief to the hard worker, to the person being generous. This is what Jesus does. But we as a community need to be people that are in relationships with people who we want their lives changed. And Jesus wants their lives changed. The path out of this sin of hatred is repentance. And being embraced by the grace and love of Jesus. That's what it is. It's acknowledging the the seed of hate, or maybe it's fully grown in your life. It's acknowledging the evil in it and repenting. And knowing that there is hope because the thief works hard and becomes generous. You see how this is such a wonderful message that Paul gives his life for. Paul proclaims the kingdom of God and the lordship of Jesus. He does so with boldness. Boldness is the avenue and the result of these proclamations. If you are a child of God, that you've been, you've been taken out of being an orphan, and you are a child of God, you are in the kingdom of God, you understand that Jesus is Lord over all things, you are called to be bold. And you are called to be bold to confront evil. And your first thought is, I won't feel safe, and it will be hard. My answer is, yes. I feel exactly the same. But it does not change. Paul, being under house arrest, proclaims the goodness of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the gospel, and the gospel's unhindered. Though Paul is in chains, he says, this message is unhindered. And it's, who does he welcome? All people. He welcomes all people, though there's a category of people who are trying to kill him. He still welcomes them. We're not even in chains. We're not under house arrest like Paul was with a a soldier next to him for the majority of his time. We are free. But 
what happens is we, we take that as the freedom in the gospel. Instead of understanding the freedom in the gospel, that we're called to be bold and un- unhindered is we're called to actually proclaim it and to walk in obedience and to call people to repentance. So what do we do? I think we need to go where the pain is. Go where the struggle is. Go where the hurt is. Go where the injustice is. Ask God to reveal uh, what hatred that you carry. And ask God to reveal it to you so you can understand what it means to be bold and unhindered. And what it means to be transformed from the thief to the hard worker, to the generous giver. And with grace and truth, boldly be repentant and call people to the same repentance. This is what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Uh, The kingdom of God is a kingdom that welcomes all people. And as we welcome all people, we, we welcome people to hear the gospel message and to rub shoulders with us who hate with deep evil because we want them to know the freedom that is in Christ and the forgiveness and what it means to be a child and no longer an orphan. As I close this uh, let me, I'm going to read a prayer and understand as we're praying, we're also preparing our hearts to come to this table. Uh, and this table is to welcome, a uh, table of communion, the Lord's table, is to welcome anyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ and is repentant of their sin. And I want to be really, really clear. If you have hatred in your heart, and you are unrepentant of this hatred, this will do not only nothing for you, but the Bible says that it, you'll drink judgment. And so what we ask is that you, you don't just skip this and walk out of the room. We ask that you acknowledge this. Find someone who speaks grace and love to you and tell them the struggles you have or tell them things that you don't even want to struggle with. You just want to be hateful. You just want to live in evil and acknowledge it and say it out loud and let light shine on it. And then we would be people who move toward people and communities who suffer, even when it's not safe and it's uncomfortable. So let's pray together. As we call on the Lord Jesus and we call on God's Spirit to work within us and to work within our community and our city and in our country. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the evil events over the weekend in Charlottesville, Virginia, break our hearts and fuel our disgust, intensify our longings for your return, and amplify our calling to peacemaking. 
How long, O Lord? How long before the day when all racism and prejudice and tribalism will be eradicated and replaced with love, honor, and the richest community imaginable? We crave the day of consummate reconciliation, the day when supremacy will only be attributed to you. United Nations won't be a building, but a reality. There won't be any insiders or outsiders, no pecking order or ordering one another around. No more cars being used as agents of homicide. The only position that will be jockeyed for will be falling down on our faces to adore you and then staying low to wash one another's feet. How long, O Lord? Finally and fully, we will love each other the way you love us, Jesus, honoring one another above ourselves. Be, be, will be our delight. Diversity won't be tolerated. It will be celebrated. All of our relationships will be whole, beautiful, and joyful. The overflow of living in joyful, intimate relationship with you, our Father, and God the Spirit soon, Lord. Please. We'll never fail or hurt one another again. Until then, Jesus, bring the power of the gospel to bear in extraordinary ways. In our relationships, churches, and communities, grant us greater grief and repentance over the ways we love poorly. Stun us, humble us, and gladden us again and again and again. With glory and grace, there is no other way we'll change. We ask all of this in the name of the one who is the only one who is supreme and superior and glorious and perfect. The wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. And we pray this as your people. Amen.